listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. What was I going to say? Oh, oh, yeah. The uh, something reminded me of the the, the situation in England that uh, we could talk about. Or, um, oh, the how the rising sun thing. Um, what's this uh, geek's name? There's this uh, Churchill. He's, he's a oh no no. Uh, Tommy Morrison is his nom de plume. He's a. It depends who you ask how you describe him. He's an uh, ultra right winger, or he's an he calls himself an anti. Um, uh, Islamist, anti-radical Islamist, who is a politically incorrect agitator in Britain. Um, and he just got arrested and he's in jail now because he was videotaping commentaries outside of a trial of some Muslim fellows who were accused of grooming, uh, girls to be raped. Part of the ongoing, huge, horrifying, systematic child rape thing going on in various cities in England that's getting very little attention because it's very uncomfortable, especially for the progressive media. But this guy was out front videotaping commentaries for his website, and the things he said were deemed by the British authorities to be uh, racially provocative and whatever their laws are over there that govern uh, free speech. And now he's in the who's gal right now, and I'm telling you, you got that. You got the uh, Austrian, the new Austrian government, which swung to the right, is voted to end uh, benefits for migrants and refugees and stuff like that. Um, Europe is is going through seizures now of uh, of discontent and anger, and there's a the tendency on the American left, especially, to pretend that well, it's just a bunch of racists or something are mad about this stuff. But uh, it's uh, it's not that. Seizures of Discontent, Volume 3 of my autobiography. Yeah. That yeah, covers ages 13 to 14. Compelling stuff. Compelling stuff, especially the chapter where you discover self-pleasurement. Yeah. I mean, it's, Seizures of Discontent. I can't forget it. Uh, so, anyway, that's, that's uh, that reminds me. Britain is killing itself. Our closest ally, our old buddy, our former master, um, is it's killing itself. Uh, and where that ends, we shall see. But their experiment with, uh, and Canada's too, with limiting free speech. We can't have speech that, like, offends people. We'll just make that illegal. Is uh, Well, it's suicidal. How about J. Crew's offensive new T-shirt for children? We'll talk about that later. No, 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 <laughs> no. Some allegedly offensive T-shirt from some clothing retailer that'll get talked about 50 million times. No, I, just, I, I can't go there. I can give you seven reasons to be mad about it. <laughs> wow. According, Wait a minute. According to the Internet. Wait a minute. Ginned up outrage and the listicle? How can I say no? <laughs> so uh, some good fake news over the weekend. The Washington Post and the New York Times went crazy on, was it Friday? Thursday and Friday when uh, Trump unleashed that note to uh, Kim. Saying, dear fathead, I'd love to meet, but we can't anymore because you've been too mean. By the way, we got lots of bombs. Right. P.S. We got lots of bombs. You keep talking about your bomb, we got a million bombs. Anyway, I'd still love to get together at some point if your schedule clears. Signed, Donnie, Donnie J. Um, and, and then, you know, North Korea's reaction to that was actually very, very interesting. If you didn't follow the news, Kim said, whoa, whoa, hey, wait now. Oh, we can still get together. Let's talk. We got issues. I know we got issues, but let's settle those issues and still get together. So whether it happens or not, what happens at it, uh, nobody knows. But apparently it's back on the, the summit. The, the president of South Korea met with him 
trying to get it going again. So yeah, and Fathead immediately gave the like chastened spouse um, speech of yeah, yeah. Listen, it's not that big a deal. It's a, it's a yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's get together. So what he's playing at, like I said, nobody knows. But so the uh, the Wapo and the New York Times had absolutely beaten the hell out of Trump. Uh, Dave Nakamura in the Washington Post wrote that critics fear that a president determined to declare victory will allow his desire for a legacy-making deal to override the substance of the negotiations. All right. WAPO, Paul Paul Waldman mocked Trump's desire for a win, saying he was turning him into a fool who was getting played, and then he walked away from the talks. And Mark Landler and David Sanger of the New York Times, and David Sanger is an excellent journalist and in the know, he wrote an article saying there are deep divisions between Trump and his advisors. And they said that a a senior White House official told them that even if the meeting were reinstated, holding it on June 12th would be impossible, given the lack of time and the amount of planning needed. So a senior White House official said it would be impossible. Trump tweeted, calling it fake news, saying the failing New York Times quotes a senior White House official who doesn't exist as saying even if the meeting were reinstated, it would be impossible. Wrong again. Use real people, not phony sources. Well, so the the New York Times said, yes, that source does exist, and they released the tape of the on-background briefing. Um, Which is a heck of a move. Yeah. And uh, they leaked the audio. In which a uh, White House staffer, indeed, it's Rod Shaw, Deputy Press Secretary, um, introducing this Pottinger uh, person whose act I'm not familiar with. But then they have the tape of Pottinger saying a lot of stuff, but nothing even close to the 12th would be impossible. He says, well, it'll be difficult because there's a lot of planning and that sort of stuff to do. But, um, well, it, it could happen. And so then the New York Times and the Washington Post and the journalists involved went heavy on, see, the source does exist. He does. But he didn't say what you made the headline. Exactly. The headline was entirely fictional. The story saying that White House official said it was impossible is not true. It said, um, uh... The white uh, the reporter said, or that ship has sailed, right? And the White House official says, um, I think the main point, I suppose, is that the ball is in North Korea's court right now, and there's really not a lot of time. We've lost quite a bit of time that we would need in order to, I mean, there's been an enormous amount of preparation that's gone over the past few months at the White House at State that needs to take place at the working level, and uh, et cetera, et cetera, not very significant. And, and June 12th is in 10 minutes. It's going to be, you know, but... The president has said that he has, that someday he looks forward to meeting with Kim. You will note, writes Molly Hemingway, I think, Hemingway in the, uh, the, the, what is this, the Federalist? You will note at no time does the White House official say that the meeting is impossible. At no point does he agree that the ship has sailed or that time has run out. He says it would be difficult to prepare for the summit given the lack of time, but his main point is that the ball is in North Korea's court and they need to act quickly. So I, I'm telling, it's crazy that the New York Times would make a claim. You know, the president said there's no source. Well, there is a source, but he said something completely different. Just so you know, they do that. Yeah, that that that's that was my takeaway. So sometimes you get information and then make up a story way beyond what your right. source said. Right. And Molly concedes Trump is notoriously imprecise. His sentences, tweeted or spoken, are word salads that can be difficult to diagram. But this was fake news. 
You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. So we're playing Beatles and Wings and whatever song. I, I tweeted the worst thing I've ever tweeted over the weekend. I don't know why I did it. I tweeted my stitches, my stitches that I got last week from the doctor. I don't know why I tweeted a picture of that. That's disgusting. I stumbled across that when I was scrolling through, and I almost unfollowed. Why? Why would I? Why would I do that? You know what I did? I just wanted a reaction. It was very, very base social media sort of thing really sick to my stomach I, ch- I threw up yesterday yeah it was it was not cool i regret it <laughs> and uh yeah i wish i hadn't done it so i mentioned michael jackson's elephant escaped uh, make sure that i've got <laughs> everything covered here before i get to this okay so the hot new diet this is um getting a lot of attention jimmy kimmel talks about it a lot because he's doing it the new fasting movement that has taken the nation by storm. It's an overarching term for a bunch of different, it's an umbrella term for a variety of eating patterns that all fit between eating and then not eating, which is fasting. But mm. this fasting thing is getting a lot of attention. There's there's a number of people that say it's, it's, it's a bunch of crap. There are a number of people that say, no, this is the way we were designed, which makes sense to me. That we probably got to eat when we, you know, caught a bison and killed it, and then we didn't get to eat for several days until we caught something. Sure. You know, we might be designed that way. Well, plus you just you couldn't venture out after dark because you might get eaten yourself for most of human history. Or the weather or whatever. Get the hell beat out of here. Robbed. Anyway, we should link this article because it's got it's the ultimate guide to intermittent fat intermittent fasting. And it's got the pros and cons and the, the different ways there are. So there's the eighteen six model. That's 18 hours of fasting to a six-hour window in which you can eat whoa, normally. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not doing Too that narrow. One. Too narrow. so hard to do. I'm not doing that one. So, wait a second. Let me do the math. I'd have to wait till after the show. I'd be sitting in the parking lot at IHOP looking at my watch. Okay, oh, I'm going to sit, here. So God I'm gonna so sit God here for please. six hours now. So, I could eat between 10 and 4. That's it. I could do that. I mean, you could do it. It wouldn't be that pleasant. Okay, there's the 18-6. There's the 16-8, which would be similar, right? 16 hours of fasting, then 8 hours eating. That's definitely doable. The 5-2 model is what Jimmy Kimmel does, in which fasters eat normally for five days and then eat only 500 calories the other two days. I see. There's alternate day fasting, which is, uh, you, you know, Obviously, you eat one day, then you don't eat. You eat little to nothing the other day. Um, this one is supposed to be the hardest one to do. Mm. See, I can see how the five two that Jimmy Kimmel's doing. I can see that because dieting, eating right is easy to do for a little while, right? So that one, and and you build up guilt and self hatred, right? So you build up your guilt and self hatred for five days. You see pictures of, of yourself fat. You get on the scale. Somebody makes a comment. All those things happen during those five days. Hey, fat, so that sort of comment. And then, you, <laughs> or G, you're fat. Oh boy, that, that's a comment. <laughs> but uh, then you, you build that up, and then for two days you, you eat hardly nothing. 
but you can't keep that up. So right. then you're right back to it. Right. I, I don't know if I would lose weight on that, but it says you can. Eat the way you've been eating for five days, then take two days practically completely. I might try that one. Would you try to time it for the weekends? That's the worst time to not eat, right? Try to maybe Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, I could see that. I can drink coffee, right? Oh, yeah. Of course you can. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to just eliminate 300 calories per day, and which is what they say you need to do to lose weight. Reasonable and moderate is the best, but that's the hardest. With everything. That's just the hardest. It's it's easy to go buy a gym membership and work out like crazy for a month Mm -hmm. and then never do it again. That's a lot easier than I'm going to exercise 15 minutes every day or whatever. Um, this expert suggests for the fasting a 14-10 fasting-to-eating ratio, meaning you'd eat over a 10-hour period, say between 8 and 6, and then fast the rest of the time. That's practically what a lot of us do, isn't it? Yeah, that's a starter pack. That way you can still have a social life, still function at work, while getting all the benefits of time-restricted eating provides. Right. That's, that's what I'm currently trying to do. I tried to do the eating within the 8-hour window, and that's pretty hard with with my my schedule because i'm i'm up yeah. for a lot of I might hours time shifted slightly like to seven to five then i'd miss dinner can't do that whoops yeah what i need to do is eliminate that fourth meal i eat before bed that's exactly. the one that does me in well that's why that that starter pack of the uh what was it the 14 hour or whatever yeah that's uh, that's that's doable it just eliminates the late night snack snack hell to me a light a full meal yeah Last Friday night, I made I got out a pound of sausage and I made a pound of hamburger gravy. Good lord! And then some toast. You're and like I a ate the, bear. I ate the whole thing. <laughs> You're like a bear that can cook. <laughs> Roar! Where the oven mitts? That's that's it. See, I uh, I don't have the late night snacks ever, uh, except out of a glass. That's my late night snack. Uh, yeah, that's my calories. When I drank, I never ate at night. Oh, really? Yeah. Because so, a lot of people get drunk up and they decide, you know, potato skins would be a good idea. But not you, huh? Mm. Uh, I don't eat just the, the the grape. 125 calories a glass. Is it? Yeah, roughly. Depends on, you know, for four or five ounces. Um, And, you know, I usually have 11 or 12 glasses <laughs> per night. <laughs> and so that's what? Uh, 300 calories. <laughs> okay. Anyway, how much time do we have? This but is that, a really funny note. But that that would add up, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, you know, we don't have time for this, but big lawsuit against Harvard University for racial discrimination against Asians. Yeah. I read an article over the weekend. It was kind of confusing to me that um, uh, the whole uh, affirmative action thing when it comes to Asians, because a lot of Asians, particularly students, do really, really well. Right. Yeah. So they, in, in a lot of cases, at the higher levels of society, are against affirmative action because um, they feel it in a number of ways that hurts them, and it takes away from what they accomplish by just working really hard. Right, exactly. You know, Bill de Blasio did a long interview on the uh, NPR that I heard recently about uh, they have these elite, like, super achiever schools in New York City that are really good to go to. Uh, but there are, I think, uh, they let in 1% of the applicants or less than 1% because they just, you know, there aren't enough slots. And um, and they're trying to f- figure out what to do about the fact that Asians are overrepresented. 
And black and Hispanic kids, there aren't enough of them. And it was interesting to hear uh, de Blasio run through the reasons for that and, that, and he said, you know, there's a single test. N- nobody thinks a single uh, high-stakes testing is the way to run admittance. Nobody does it these days. And I thought, you know, that's, that's probably a pretty good uh, point. And he pointed out that uh, more affluent people can do the test prep and the rest. But I thought, you know, that's a fairly reasonable point, too. That's probably a factor. But he did not, would not, dares not, and nobody does get into cultural norms. How can you, how can you not say that Indian families, Asian families, um, they, they, they stress academics higher than black, black and, and Hispanic, Hispanic families, for instance? Or white. Right. Or white. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about that. Why, why, I, that's, that seems crazy. Now, yeah. somebody wrote a book or a column or whatever a couple weeks ago that black people from Nigeria do really well in the United States because oh, they yeah. have a culture of studying like crazy. Yeah, yeah. Black immigrants to the country have a much, much so higher level of achievement. It's, than, not, it's not skin color holding you back in school. It's just how much your family values studying. Well, that isn't the whole story, but it's a huge part of the story. And the fact that people don't have the guts to bring it up just shows they're not serious about solving the problem. To leave it out completely is really sure. disingenuous. Yep. Jewish sure. people, too, they uh, they value learning very, very highly. Uh, you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Here's Armstrong and you're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm looking at a story. Another another town is concerned about scooters. People are going to get hurt if we don't pass very... Why? Who, who well, are you? I've, I've never understood... I, I just don't get this mindset because I don't think this way. Right. If you see an adult on a scooter, you thinking they don't have a helmet on, they might get hurt, I need to do something. Where does that come from? I never think that way. I never think of some other adult... I need to get involved in their life because they're doing something I think is dangerous. I need to stop them from hurting themselves. But I need a to lot pass of you, law. But a lot of you think that way all the time. It's I'd, weird. I'd pull my car over and call 911. <laughs> is that a DNA thing? Are you born with the need to protect others? I don't I just, know. I don't have it. Well, it's certainly on the increase, which would suggest that those people are breeding with each other or spreading their genetic material or something. Or... You know, it's more of a philosophical thing, and, and people grow up in it, they stew in it their whole lives, and they adopt it. I don't know. I'm, I'm with you on that. I can't imagine. I, you know, I, I always did and always would wear a helmet when I rode my motorcycles. Always. No exceptions. Jack's a prefer not to guy. I think, well, I like Jack, so I hope he doesn't crack his head, but that's his call. I, I don't think, wow, oh my God, I've got to somehow forbid that. Not for a second. I don't get it. Anyway, get it. um, we came across this clip. We're going to try to somehow get into the intro of the show. Do you have any idea where this came from? I do not. It's well, the, the internet, Jack. The internet. Everything it came from the internet. From. It's awesome, though. I like this. Here is a complete disc jockey show with all the modern pace of today's exciting radio. <laughs> we need to work that That's into us. Wow. Opening of the, that, that is exactly that what is we are. That is us. <laughs> that sums want up a, the show perfectly. You want an elevator pitch for the Armstrong and Getty show? <laughs> Here's a complete disc jockey show with all the modern pace of today's exciting radio. Wow, that's it. <laughs> We've been looking for a way to describe the show for years, decades. <laughs> now we have it. That uh, that guy, uh, th- that announcer. That's one one job that no longer exists. We got a list of jobs that no longer exist. By the way, we're going to try to we're going to talk to someone about the 
legislation that will be voted on and not passed today on on immigration. Talking like this used to be a billable skill. Yeah, you did. You used to be able to make a... So I got this list of 10 jobs that no longer exist. And obviously, you could come up with a list of a million jobs, there, but they aren't all entertaining. These are fairly entertaining. Bowling alley pin setter uh-huh. was, a, right. was a big job for kids in like various areas where you had bowling alleys. God, you could go work there as a kid and make good money all day long setting the pins back up. Right, and and they had to have dozens of kids employed yeah. doing that. Good picture. Because old... a couple of them would get taken out by a bowling ball. No, no, because every bowling alley has lots of lanes, Sean. Good good, good old-timey picture here. I bet that happened, though, man. You get hit in the ankle. Ow! Should have been quicker. Get back to work. Good old-timey picture of kids sitting on, like, a ledge right behind, uh, you know, waiting for the ball to come down, knock yeah. down the pins, and they jump up and sit them back up again. Probably didn't do your hearing a lot of good either. I, I had never heard of this job, which I guess goes back to the 1800s mostly. Human alarm clocks. People with uh, people of means, if you had a little money, you would hire somebody to come and knock on your window or door and wake you up at a certain time in the morning. Yeah. Pre-alarm clock. Yeah. Knocker uppers, they were called. And there's pictures here. <laughs> it's an of, unfortunate name. Of, Didn't really age well. <laughs> there are pictures here of guys with long sticks, particularly to get to second floor buildings. And they would come up and they would rap on the window. Wow. Until yeah. you stuck your head on and said, I'm awake. The only reason I'm aware of that is it factors into a nursery rhyme or two that I, I heard as a child and read as a parent. I don't remember. Is it the Wee Willie Winky or something? God, we knock her up or, well, we got a I'd imagine occasionally you'd get invited in and, well. We got a book of those old timey nursery rhymes to read to the kids and they find them so amusing and none of us have any idea what they mean. Right, right. <laughs> but they've stuck around for hundreds of years. I think Judy and I gave that to you. That could the be Mother Goose. Uh, oh, right? oh, yeah. Oh, the yeah. kids yeah, yeah. love that. Oh, book. good. I'm so glad. And yeah. Laura's really good at coming up with funny stories and making fun of the pictures and stuff. Yeah. Wee Willie Winky runs through the town, upstairs and downstairs in his nightgown, tapping the window and crying through the lock. All the children in their beds, it's past 8 o'clock. So he was more of a curfew manager than a, <laughs> a, a, a exactly. But it's an allied profession. Greedy Nan. I'm not exactly sure what she's up oh, to. Oh, my God. My kids love that one, too. <laughs> we talk about that and all the I, time. I'd read it. I'd read it in a nutty voice, obviously. Here, hang on a second. I always again. refer to her as Dirty Nan, and the kids think that's funny. <laughs> wow. Wait, no. See, again, that's that's a different thing. Well, wait, I just I just wrote Dirty Nan. Uh-oh. All right, hang on a second. Come on, where is it? Here's a human alarm clock. That's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait a second. Get off there. Hit us with the DJ clip again while Joe's looking for this. Uh, this is. is what we are. Here's what we are right here, ladies and gentlemen. Not so much right now. Explain. Here is a complete disc jockey show with all the modern pace of today's exciting radio. <laughs> To bed, to bed, says Sleepyhead. Tarry a while, says Slow. Put on the pan, says Greedy Nan. We'll sup before we go. <laughs> so, like Greedy I, Nan. So we're sitting at the table waiting for Mom to finish cooking the other night. She was doing something. I say, hey, where's that bacon there, Dirty Nan? Greedy Nan. <laughs> Dad, not Dirty Nan. Put on the pan, Greedy Nan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so uh, what other professions uh, are no ice longer cutter? Which right. which was a thing. Guys would come out. This is a very dangerous job with long saws. Go out and cut blocks of ice off the frozen uh, river or pond or whatever. Oof. And then people would put the ice blocks in their cellar or whatever pre pre uh, refrigeration. And that was a daily job to uh, supply. Again, it'd be the the wealthier set that I suppose they could afford to have a big block of ice delivered. I, I don't know. You remember the famous uh, Laurel and Hardy routine? 
Mm-hmm. With that, that's absolutely hilarious. Uh, when I was growing up, many families I knew still referred to the refrigerator as their icebox. Sure. Uh, I had never heard of this one. Pre-radar listener for enemy aircraft. There were guys that would, particularly if you're in a country where you're worried about being attacked, uh, guys who would stand out there in a field with these giant horns up to their ears, wow. listening for enemy planes. Wow. So they could alert somebody if they heard them coming. Crazy. Like this guy. Look, look at these giant horn things with with oh wow i'm curious yeah, about the logistics work. of that so if i'm you, not sure it would work if very you well. hear the airplane you'd have like five minutes you'd extra warning on someone run else a mile to town the plane's gonna beat you there yeah i don't know that seems dumb rat catchers was a big thing in most cities across europe and some in the united states i'd have done that because of disease and you could make a really good living catching rats i could see that paid by the like rat. rats a lot of the cities were on know about lamp lighters that had to go out every single night and lamp all the light all the street lamps sure um log drivers i was always fascinated by that as a kid the people that ride the logs down the river in wisconsin oh, or in oregon like, or wherever angle them and the rest of it God, that was the, an actual thing the fatality oh, yeah. rate was a hundred percent oh yeah they're all, t- all the logs were all just together going down the river and you'd have to push them along with a stick keep them going straight and that's and you're on top of these logs have you ever seen those old timey from one to the other yeah. on espn3 have you ever seen those log competitions yeah. where they like roll that was an actual skill you had to have that's where that came from. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. people would fall in the water, logs would go over their head, and they would drown. I remember learning that as a kid, and I thought it was horrifying. <laughs> I'd rather be the uh, knock-on-the-door guy. Hey, it's 8 o'clock, huh? <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. So, listen, you've probably heard about this uh, a little bit. China's new system for controlling its population, essentially. It's like a credit rating for everything. You're, it's a social credit score. Not only how are you doing financially, are you paying your debts, that sort of thing, but everything you do, everything you search on, everything you buy, every act, every parking ticket, will raise or lower your social standing score with the communist government. Winston Smith in 1984 would have said, holy cow, that's too much. That's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, they're oh, really getting Google good at this. That is. Okay. But, that was a bit of a Dennis Miller-like joke. Um, uh, th- that is incredible. And we've been saying this for a long time. The, the tools that are available to the modern totalitarian government. I mean, Stalin would have thought, you can do that? Um, right. Oh, he's the main character from 1984. I really got to read that book. Yeah. yeah. It's good. It's a good book. It's it, a little long. It's uh, government bad, freedom good. And if you're <laughs> looking for the Cliffs notes. But, um. Uh, but, you know, they used to have, uh, tap phones or send, you know, have to have your neighbors turn on you. God, the government can get into everything now. Yeah, please. But it's crazier than that. The one, I spent a lot of my college years, I spent a lot of my college years doing a lot of stuff that I'm not necessarily willing to talk about. But what I was there for was, you know, studying different governments and different governmental systems around the world and, and foreign policy. And the one thing you learn is that, if you don't understand the domestic politics of a country, you can't understand their foreign policy because one flows from the other. And great example. And this is really a good piece. And we will have it linked for you at uh, armstrongandgetty.com under hot links. But they do a really good job of talking about Chinese society and, 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 you know, the, the story behind the story. So I'll just hit you with kind of uh, various aspects of this. Let's let's pretend uh, this is happening in America. Here's how it works. 
A few months ago, you accidentally missed your payment on your phone bill. Mistake affects your credit score. It's hard to get a loan. You've been making jokes about Marco Rubio on Twitter. The algorithms define you as some sort of libertarian loon. Another sort of person likely to default on social obligations. So that will actually lower your score. After a couple of close friends miss their student loan repayments, you can't even travel. Your social circle is all now discredited. There'd be some truth to that. I mean, I certainly wouldn't want to bring that to America. But uh, people whose friends don't pay their bills, you probably hang around in a crowd like that. I'm guessing maybe. I don't know. Yeah, tends to be or tends wait to not a minute. Be? Yeah, wait a minute. Now. I don't think it's a good idea, but yeah. apparently China does. Yeah, I'm just thinking about, I had a, a lovely weekend, a number of social gatherings, which were great fun, and uh, and, and I'm thinking about the, you know, the people I was hanging out with, they're really nice folks and all, but I don't know if they pay their bills or not. I think well, you they do. certainly shouldn't have to worry about well, it. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't want to worry about it. What they do shouldn't have any effect on you. Um, so the 2014 state council resolution in China, which said this is all going to go 100% online in 2020, all residents, uh, it promises that every involuntary participant will be rated according to their, quote, commercial sincerity, social security, trust-breaking, and judicial credibility. Now, this is the part I found really interesting because I hadn't heard it before. A lot of Chinese people are welcoming it. Because their society is so completely corrupt and uh, and and uh, what does they say endemic corruption, political upheaval, not knowing what you can count on because communist doctrine changes, blah blah blah. They have an endemic lack of trust. Frequent incidents of the bystander effect: people refusing to help injured strangers because they fear they'll be held responsible, mm, become a national well, embarrassment. Yeah. We're headed that direction. Yeah, even the. Uh, even the most enthusiastic middle-class supporters of the ruling Communist Party feel perpetually insecure. Quote, uh, this is from the uh, vice chairman of the party's National Development and Reform Commission, said, fraud has become ever more common. Swindlers must pay a price. So they have an enormous crisis of trust in China where you can't trust anybody, government officials, merchants, whatever. And so... They're thinking, yeah, if there's a score that keeps track of all the good and bad people do, yeah, I'd kind of like to know. So that's that's wild. So that's one be, thing you never hear about. It'll China. be public information, like I would be able to look up your number? That I don't know. The The government absolutely will know. Well, yeah. Whether I can look up yours. Um, Seems like I the only way you... I think if you're going to yeah, enter into a transaction, you'd, you know. Seems like the only way, if you're trying to affect society's trust, would be if you could... Look up the number on old Jim before you do business with him. Yeah. Oh, he's an 85. Oh, he'll be fine. Yeah. Well, here's the unholy, well, the really odd part of this unholy system. Is well, that, a, no, she's, she's a 25. I'm not going to have sex with her and then, and then try to write up a legal agreement to, to she will keep her mouth shut afterwards because she's, she's got a 23. Right, right. So what's weird about this is that Ant Financial, which is the finance arm of the e-commerce giant Alibaba, which is the Chinese eBay, more or less, um, or Chinese Amazon, I should say. They're piloting this credit company that does most of this and the government is piggybacking on. Um, and they offer, this is, it's such a great example. It's, um, 1984 combined with Brave New World in which they offer a range of perks. 
like travel upgrades and deposit-free car rentals to top scorers. So if you toe the line, you're a good person, and the rest of it, then you get, you know, you get a business class of airline tickets. But that's wild that, uh, you know... You cheat on your girlfriend, it could make it more expensive to rent a car. Exactly. Yeah, isn't that nutty? The company says even innocuous activities like, uh, they're making the point that it's a really opaque system and nobody's quite sure how, well, it's like Facebook and their algorithms. Senator, I'll have my team get back to you on that, says the evil, evil uh, robot. Uh, The company says even innocuous activities like late night web browsing or Buying video games could see one's rank downgraded for irresponsible behavior. Wow. So what is this going to do to society? They're trying to. Hmm. So the wrinkle you've added to this, I've read a lot about this. I knew all about it. The wrinkle you've added to this is that people are welcoming it. Yes. That's what's surprising to me. I thought oh, this yeah. was something the government's just putting on them and people obviously smartly would hate it, but no, they like it. But do the, they have to welcome it? Otherwise it affects their social credit yes. score. <laughs> yes. There Sean, you go. Sean, you're absolutely right. Good yeah. freaking point. You're showing a bad attitude. It was Very like a, good point. making jokes about Marco Rubio, which was an odd example. I'm not sure why they included that in this article, but anyway, yeah. That's an excellent point. Who's going to say, no, I hate this system out loud to a pollster? Nobody. Can't afford to nobody but so if you stay up late at night searching the web for you know just dumb stuff sure he stayed up till three in the morning watching cat in the bathtub videos (laughs) this is not somebody you want to sell a house now i'm in favor of it (laughs) (laughs) the good behavior part of this equation is equally odd and subjective now sesame credit and there's government examples a little later but they're upgrading customers who purchase curtains or diapers, which suggest a certain middle class stability. I'm thinking my mom would get the highest score ever on this. Well, and just <laughs> gonna have a bunch of single dudes buying diapers trying to game the system. Well, right. Oh, and and we'll get to gaming the system too because that part's really interesting. But that's the weird part because Alibaba has a profit motive as well. And the communist government, of course, is going to have a revenue motive and a stability motive. If you do things like buy curtains, you get upgraded. And I wonder how far they'll go. Uh, washes this, the, all the dishes every night or lets them pile up for a couple of days before he puts them, puts them in the dishwasher. I wonder. Yeah. Cause they that, could probably that, monitor your dishwasher. Get out. Now. You remember China's one-child policy, famously, when a lot of us were growing up and uh, until fairly recently. Well, now they have incredible demographic problems in China. What, you think? That nobody ever talks about this. They're, they're so upside down. They're, well, they're like Japan. They got way too many old people, not nearly enough babies. Um, how did they think the one-child policy was going to turn out? Well, the key is stopping it before you're incredibly upside down. And they didn't because they're dirty, dirty commies. But they're talking about uh, they want more two-child families. And so if they see women engaged in things that are not having kids or getting married, et cetera, et cetera, they will be downgraded. And they will be rewarded for doing settling downy type things. Um, and, you know, they make some obvious points about, you know, if you're seen at a protest or anything like that, you get really hammered. So it will absolutely be a tool for the totalitarians. Of course, of course it will. Yeah. If you thought you couldn't go to a Tea Party rally or a Bernie Sanders rally or whatever because it's going to make it more expensive to rent a car. Here's another part of the thing. Everybody's trying to spin, you know, China's the great rising power. And, and there's absolutely some truth to that. But they never talk about things like this. 
Few have considered how vulnerable the system is to the corruption, con artistry, and incompetence that plagues much of Chinese society. Who will have access to the data? How much will they be able to use and abuse it? Will it be shared between ministries and departments or jealously guarded? Can it be manipulated, uh, faked, stolen? Well, it and absolutely they... will be nip- manipulated or faked. Right. If you've got an opponent of some sort, you come up with a bad score, make up some crap. Well, and already on social media, there are clever youngsters saying, hey, can we click farm this, do you think? You know, pay somebody, because if you look at those click farms, what they do is incredibly cheap, because they use, you know, computers to do it for you. I could get, you know, a company to do, you know, 150 clicks that says Joe's a great guy, he, you know, he pays his golf debts and he, he keeps Ooh, his floors clean. You know, we're going to get downgraded for breaking so late. Oh, The government my God. is picked up oh, on the no. fact that we talked five minutes longer than we were supposed to. Now I, get to that, I can't rent a car. <laughs> You buy Damn a house, it. you're going to pay a lot more on your insurance rate. Just because I... But this is interesting. Mr. Chairman, I submit to you this... Oh, now you're complaining, Mr. Getty. Now you're yelling at the chairman. Ding! Now you can't even write one of the, rent one of those bikes in one of the rides. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.